Good evening, everybody. It's a joy to see you here tonight, and it's a joy, as always, just to be able to gather in the middle of the week, worship the Lord together, and study His Word, and uh, go before Him in prayer. Tonight, we're going to be continuing our study of Paul's prayers in the New Testament. We want to grow in our faithfulness of being able to pray in accordance to God's will, and so what we've been studying is we've been studying Paul's inspired prayers as are written down in the letters of the New Testament. And we're hoping to learn by listening in on his prayers what to adore, appreciate, ask for, admonish, and amen in our own prayers. We've seen the first most important element of prayer is to is, is adoration, that is quite simply to worship God. We ought to worship and adore God for who he is in our prayers in and of himself and to ascribe to the Lord the glory that is due his name. He is a great and awesome God and he delights in hearing us recount his glory and his virtues to him. Um, The second element of prayer that we've been seeing in scripture is appreciation. That is thanksgiving. We ought to thank God for what he has done and what he has given. And in this section of our study, we've seen that we ought to appreciate Christ. Uh, we ought to appreciate Christ first and foremost. He is God's inexpressible gift in which are in whom are found all the spiritual blessings of the heavenly places. They're all found in Christ alone. And then we've been looking at some of those blessings that are found in Christ. We've seen that we should thank God for the gifts of victory, grace, and faith. Tonight we're going to finish up talking about the fourth gift that we ought to thank God for in Christ Jesus, and that is the gift of hope. This comes from Paul's prayer of thanksgiving found in Colossians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. Colossians 1, 3 through 5, where Paul writes, We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of truth, the gospel. Though it could be overlooked in all the dependent phrases that are found in those verses, the core of Paul's prayer here in Colossians 1 is this. We always thank God when we pray for you because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. So this is Paul thanking God for the gift of hope. And if we're to follow Paul's example here in prayer, that means that we need to develop a theology of hope just like Paul's. A theology of hope that will lead us straight into thanksgiving. And so that's what we've been doing over the last two weeks. We have been developing a theology of hope. We began two weeks ago by looking at the definition and anticipation of biblical hope we saw that the definition of biblical hope is a confident expectation of the future that is based on the person and promises of god so that is biblical hope it's not worldly hope i sure hope something's going to happen no biblical hope is a confident expectation concerning the future and what are those confident expectations that we as believers are to have what are those uh what do believers confidently anticipate about the future And what we saw is that believers confidently expect and anticipate the coming of Christ, the reception of glory, the resurrection of our bodies, the freedom from corruption, the fullness of righteousness, and the unendingness of that type of life. This is the biblical hope that we as believers are to put on every single day like a helmet, as 1 Thessalonians 5.8 calls on us. It is a confident expectation that Christ is coming, 
glory is waiting, our bodies will be resurrected, our struggles will be ended, God's righteousness will be experienced, and each and every day will be better than the last, on and on and on for all of eternity. That led us last week to examining the results of biblical hope. In other words, when we press those confident expectations of the future daily upon our minds, like a helmet of hope, what will be the result in our lives? And the result is we will grow in our joy, our courage, our zeal, and our holiness. We'll grow in our joy because we have good news about the future that far outweighs any of our present circumstances. We'll, have, we'll grow in our courage because we have good news about the future that only Christ can bring to us all. We'll grow in our zeal because we have good news about the future that there is a day of rest and reward coming for God's children. And we will grow in our holiness because we have good news about the future that one day we will stand in the direct presence of the pure and holy Christ. That's the result of having biblical hope. It is increased joy, courage, zeal, and holiness. Which brings us finally tonight to the grounds of biblical hope. So this, in other words, what we're going to look at tonight gets us to the root of the issue. Why should we thank God for hope? The answer is because all true hope is grounded in God Himself. All true hope is grounded in God But before we dive in and start looking at these passages, let's ask the Lord to help us walk in His law. Let's pray. Father, we thank You so much for Your Word. We thank You for how it points us to Yourself. And as it points us to You, as it points us to You, Father, we thank You that in You we find all we need. We find all we need for our present life and we find all we need for our future hope. And so, Father, I pray that through the study of these passages tonight, you would equip us to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. I pray that you would help us to understand these truths so that we would be people of hope in the midst of a world in despair and discouragement. Help us to be marked by a confident expectation of the future because our minds are set on you and not on the things of this earth. We know that this can only happen by your grace as you work in us by your spirit to understand your truth. And so teach us tonight, Father, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So having looked at the definition, anticipations, and results of biblical hope, now let's let's discover why Paul thanks God for hope here in Colossians 1, 3-5. By considering the grounds of biblical hope. In other words, when you study each occurrence of the word hope in the New Testament, what you'll quickly discover is that true biblical hope is always grounded on God. It's always grounded in God. As we'll see tonight, we can have a confident expectation and a sure hope about the future because of God's promises, God's purposes, God's proof, God's presence, and God's person. So first, we can have a confident expectation and hope about the future because biblical hope is always grounded in God's promises. 
In other words, we can be absolutely sure that our future as God's children includes a coming Christ, a waiting glory, a resurrected body, an an ending of corruption, a fullness of righteousness, and an ever-increasingly glorious life because all of those anticipations are grounded in God's promises. In other words, we have a sure expectation of these things because God has promised these things. Hope is grounded in God's promises. As Romans 15.4 says this, it is through the encouragement of the Scriptures that we might have hope. Did you get that? Hope, a confident expectation of the future, is obtained through the encouragement that is found in God's Word. Hope is obtained through the encouragement that is found in God's Word. As we cling to God's promises, we cultivate biblical hope. Biblical hope is not wishful thinking. Biblical hope is firmly grounded in the surety of God's promises. That's why 1 Peter 3.15 says that there is a reason for the hope that is in us. And that's why Hebrews 10.23 says that there is a confession to our hope that we are to hold fast to. Think about that. There is a confession to our hope as believers. You say, well, what is a confession? A confession is is a set of doctrines and teachings. And what set of doctrines and teachings undergird our hope as Christians? Answer, God's promises. We as Christians, if you want to think about it this way, we ought to have a catechism of hope in our lives as believers. We ought to have a collection of God's promises that we are reciting to ourselves daily that we are putting on, as we already saw from 1 Thessalonians, that we are putting on like a helmet. That's why I encouraged us all last week to start memorizing those anticipations of biblical hope that we studied two weeks ago because it is in this way that we protect ourselves from the fiery darts of despair and discouragement that Satan sends our way. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4.16, so we don't lose heart. And you say, well, why? Why do you not lose heart? Verse 18, because we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. What things are those? Answer, God's sure promises. We look to the promises of God. Biblical hope is grounded in God's promises. And you know what? We can focus that in a little bit more and say that second, biblical hope is not only grounded on God's promises, but second, biblical hope is grounded on God's purposes. Not only on God's promises, biblical hope is grounded on God's purposes. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18... Ephesians 1, verse 18, Paul prays that we would have the eyes of our, of our hearts enlightened. Why? He says this, so that you may know what is the hope to which he has what? Called you. Did you catch that? Paul just said that hope is not only something that we've been promised by God, he says it is something that we've been called to by God. We as believers have been called to a sure future of hope. 
Hope is part of our calling as sons and daughters of God. As Paul says later, if you turn over just a page to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4, there he says, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope, listen to this, that belongs to your call. The one hope that belongs to your call. Think about that. That started blowing my mind as I was thinking about it this week. The hope that we have been called to, the hope of a coming Christ, of a waiting glory, of a resurrected body, of an ending of corruption, of a fullness of righteousness, and of an ever-increasingly glorious eternal life, all of that wondrous hope belongs to our calling. To our calling. In other words, it's not dependent, and it's not grounded on us. Hallelujah. It is dependent on our divine calling. It is grounded on God's sovereign and saving purposes for us. That's great news when you think about it. Because it means that we can never mess up so badly so that we lose out on that hope. As believers, we can forever have a confident expectation about the future because the hope of a heavenly and glorious future is not grounded on our performance. It is grounded on God's purpose. And so Ephesians 1.18 and Ephesians 4.4 are teaching us that, that those who are called can never, ever, ever lose out on that hope. It belongs to our calling. And as Romans 11.29 teaches, the gift and calling of God are irrevocable. They can't be turned back. That's why Paul says in Romans 8.29-30, those whom God foreknew... He also predestined, and those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. Our future of glory is absolutely grounded on God's calling, on God's purposes. As Isaiah 14, 24 says, as I have purpose, so it shall stand. There's no way as a Christian to miss out on a glorious future. Once you are called by God to salvation, you are as good as glorified in that moment. And this is why we as believers have hope. That is why we as believers have a confident expectation about the future because it is because we are within the saving purposes of God as His children. And sure, future hope is just part of that calling. It's part and parcel to being saved. You can't lose that. It's kept in heaven for you. So our hope is not just wishful thinking as believers. It is firmly grounded in God's promises. It is firmly grounded in God's purposes for our lives. And third, it is firmly grounded in God's proof. In God's proof. Turn to Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6. Hebrews chapter 6, verses 18 through 20. The author of Hebrews encourages us to, quote, hold fast to the hope that is set before us. And it's interesting because this is a very striking image here in Hebrews 6.18. It's very much like that of a rookie mountain climber who, while facing a steep ascent, is reminded to hold fast and to absolutely rely on the rope that is connecting him to hold him up lest he should slip. So we are being told here to look to the hope that is set before us as well and to hold it fast, 
to view all of those promises of a coming Christ, awaiting glory, a resurrected body, and an ending to corruption, a fullness of righteousness, and an ever-increasingly glorious life. We are called on here to view all of those promises and as, as an absolutely sure and reliable anchor for our souls. And here's the proof why we ought to view all of those promises and all those anticipations of biblical hope that we looked at two weeks ago, why we ought to view those as absolutely sure and reliable. It's because verse 19 says this, we have, a, we have as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul a hope that enters into the inner places behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In other words, Christ has already ascended the rock face. He has already ascended into glory and has sat down at the right hand of God. And there in the presence of God on high, Jesus is anchored immovably beyond the veil in the very Holy of Holies in heaven as a sure and steadfast anchor for our souls. You say, well, why is Christ's ascension, resurrection and ascension, a sure and steadfast anchor for our souls and for our hope? Well, it's because we are united to Christ. As Colossians 1.27 says, Christ in us is the hope of glory. Those two truths, Christ in us and Christ in heaven, is our sure and steadfast hope of glory. Because he who is in us is also he who has gone before us. And he who has gone before us will soon come to us, as John 14.3 says, and He's going to take us to be with Him so that where He is, there we may be also. This is God's proof. We know that we have a sure hope of glory coming to us because Christ, who is our head, to whom we belong as members, is already in glory as a forerunner on our behalf. Our hope is grounded on this. It is grounded upon the perfect work of Jesus Christ with whom we are united forever. That's why 1 Peter 1.3 says that we have a living hope. How? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The proof of our living hope is the presence of Christ's living humanity. He has risen from the dead. And if we have been united with Him in a death like His, as Romans 6 verse 5 says, then we shall certainly be united with Him in a what? Resurrection like His. We have a good hope, as 2 Thessalonians 2.16 says, through grace. Through grace. So this is God's proof. It is the perfect work of Jesus Christ on our behalf. And it is upon this sure and steadfast anchor of the soul that our hope as Christians is grounded. See, as believers, our hope and our confident expectation about the future is not just wishful thinking. It's firmly grounded in God's promises in God's purposes, in God's proof, in Christ, and forth, in God's presence. This is a powerful truth. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We find our word hope again in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 7 where Paul says this, that our hope for you, to the Corinthians, our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you will also share in our comfort. There Paul is saying this, we have an unshakable hope that you will share in our comfort even though you're suffering right now. We have an unshakable hope you will share in our comfort. 
Well, we have to ask ourselves, what was that confident hope and expectation of future comfort grounded in? Answer, that hope was grounded in the truths mentioned three verses earlier in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 4 where Paul writes, the God of all comfort comforts us in our affliction. In all our affliction. It is that wonderful truth that God is with us in all our affliction that our hope for the future is made unshakable. Because you see, it means that our hope as Christians is not merely that God will act. Our hope as Christians is that God is already acting. That He is already present and active in our lives and is already working all things together for good to those who love Him, to those who are called according to His purpose. A believer's future hope is grounded in God's current presence in circumstances. We don't just hope that God will one day enter into our lives and into history. Our hope is we know as Christians that Christ has that God has already entered into our lives and into history. And He is continuing to do so. A believer's future hope is grounded on God's current presence. In fact, that's exactly the thought behind what Paul says over in Philippians 1.20 when he says this, So it is my eager expectation and hope that now, as always, with full confidence, with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. See, Paul was eagerly expecting that Christ was going to be honored in his body. Why was he so confident of that? Because that was exactly what Jesus Christ was doing in his body already right then. It was what Christ had been and was doing already. A believer's future hope is grounded on God's current presence. It's grounded on the truth that he who has led me safe thus far will lead me safely home. And that he who began a good work in me will bring it to completion. See, our hope as Christians is not wishful thinking. It is firmly grounded on God's promises, God's purposes, God's proof in Christ, God's presence. And finally, biblical hope is grounded on God's person. God's person. And this gets to the really heart of the matter. The reason why Paul thanks God for the gift of hope in Colossians 1, 3-5 is because biblical hope is ultimately grounded on God's person. This is the ultimate reason, the ultimate grounds before and beneath all others. In other words, the only reason why biblical hope is found in God's promises, God's person, uh, or excuse me, God's promises, God's purposes, God's proof, and God's presence is because of God's person. It is because of who God is. As Romans 15, 13 says, He is the God of hope who fills us with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit we might abound in hope. See, the reason why we as believers have hope is because we have been brought into a relationship with the God of all hope. That is why we have hope. All of our hope is found in Him and the One who has given us His promises, purposes, proof, and presence. God Himself is our hope. That's why 1 Thessalonians 4.13 describes the unredeemed as those who have no hope. 
And that's why Ephesians 2.12 describes them as those who are without hope and without God in this world. Why are they without hope? Because they are without God, who is the source of all hope. They are without God. And we would be the same without Him as well. We would, of all men, be most miserable. But because we've been brought near to the God of hope by the blood of Christ, our lives as believers are filled with hope and should be marked by it. And should be marked by it. Our lives should be characterized with a confident expectation of the future because we know God through the person of His Son. We know Him to be the God of all hope who has given us His promises, purposes, proof, and presence that we might share in His hope. First Timothy 4.10 says, We have set our hope on the living God who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. As First Peter 1.21 says, Our faith and our hope are in God. Our hope comes from God. From God and from God alone. That is why in Colossians 1, 3-5, Paul thanks God for it. And we should as well. We should thank God for the gift of hope that is ours in Christ Jesus. So that's what I want you to see tonight, is that our hope as Christians is never wishful thinking. We as believers have a confident expectation about the future that's based on the divine promises, purposes, proof, and presence that flows directly from the person of God Himself. And we ought to put that hope on like a helmet so that when the fiery darts of Satan are flung, the darts of despair and discouragement, we are ready to pick up our confession of faith and of hope and say with the psalmist in Psalms 43, verse 5, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him, my salvation and my God. I have a wonderful future in which Christ is coming. Glory is waiting. My body will be resurrected. My struggles will be ended. God's righteousness will be experienced. And that each new day will be better than the last for all of eternity. Thank you, God, for the hope that I have in Christ Jesus. We need to do that. We need to do that. We must do that. It is those who are not saved that have no gratitude. We who know Christ ought to thank God for the hope that we have in Him. We need to join Paul in his prayer of thanksgiving and apply this passage in two ways tonight. First, we need to to ask God for this gift of hope where we sense it lacking in our lives. And second, we need to thank God for this gift of hope as we see it present in the lives of those around us we ought to ask god for this biblical hope and we ought to thank god for it because it all comes from him hope is a gift from god and he deserves to be thanked for it so let's do that tonight let's offer up prayers of appreciation to the god who has given us hope